You're listening to How to Grow Your Fitness Business, a podcast from Fit Nation. We believe our industry is at its strongest when we stand together and share knowledge with each other. Here, you'll get key learnings and quick, actionable insights from our interviews with the top players in the fitness industry. Please make sure to subscribe to and share this channel, and together, we can help grow your fitness business. Welcome back to all our listeners. It's time for another installment of Fit Nation's Lunch and Learn. Today's episode is going to be one of those that does not age quickly. It's going to be jam-packed with actionable advice. Why? Because we're going to be taking a deep dive into the ideal membership sales flow from an industry veteran who doesn't really need much of an introduction. That would be Alan Leach. And for those who don't know, Alan is the CEO of Westwood Club. It's a premium chain located in Dublin, Ireland. And in addition to being CEO, he's also on the chair of the board of URSA, so you can find him speaking at many international events as a result. Without further ado, Alan, thank you for taking the time to join us today. Thank you, Alex. It's, 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 it's an honor to be on your podcast. It really is. And so I'm happy to share with you anything that you need me to share with you today. Awesome. All right. Well, I guess uh, as a good starting point, always good to give uh, our listeners a little bit of uh, a more detailed background on who you are, what you do, how long you've been in the industry, and, and what your day-to-day looks like. And if I go back in history, I, I, I kind of entered the industry, I was 21 or 22. And like a lot of people, I entered the industry because I was into fitness, and not necessarily sport, but fitness and started weight training and running and all of that sort of stuff. Um, and in those days, we're going back to the late 80s, early 90s, the late 80s, uh, in the mid 80s there wasn't really jobs in fitness. It was a bit, very much a hobby. Um, I was lucky enough to get a, a job in the gym and very quickly by accident ended up in sales. Um, and in those days, the idea that you'd even have sales in the gym was unusual. But I ended up in sales, uh, took to it like a duck in water, studied sales, you know, religiously read every sales book I could get my hands on. And then I went to the US. It was actually a bonus, a sales bonus to go to the first Ursa conference I went to saw then in the US how sales was being used to grow membership and grow the fitness businesses and brought that back to Ireland and then I actually went back to university and, and studied uh, marketing for five years primary degree did a master's degree and uh, but continued to work in the fitness industry and um, when most people studied marketing they didn't end up in the fitness industry in those days they went into banking or insurance or retail or whatever um, and I stayed in the fitness industry and was able to use the academic side of marketing in fitness clubs to grow them. And then as well as that in tandem with sales and continue to do sales courses and sales training. And then I became a sales trainer and set up a company where I was training other companies to sell. Um, actually, not much in Ireland, but in Europe and the US and Brazil and Iceland and different countries. So and then we got heavily involved in URSA and took over the Westwood clubs and built them up to what they are today. So we've got 35,000 members in six clubs. We charge, you know, 599 enrollment fee and 599 euros. We charge 89 euros per month. So we would be considered a premium priced fitness club in Dublin. But sales and marketing is a huge part of what we do. And I would say the culture at Westwood Clubs is very much a sales and marketing culture. We do invest hugely in delivering the service and retention, but we started all with sales and marketing. So 
yeah, I've been in the industry probably 35 years at this stage, stayed in it, um, and just progressed like a lot of other people. I was a fitness instructor for two, you know, two years, then sales, then marketing. Um, and that's the brief history, Alex. Nice. Very nice. Thank you for that, Alan. Um, and so when we really think about membership sales and, and really how to be most successful in them, uh, of course, I think you have to look at the foundations first right? Yes. And, and the foundations of what it means to attract new members and, uh, and attract people successfully time and time again. So with that background that you've built up and, and all this, I mean, it's a very academic approach that, uh, as you said, where you started from. Um, these days, so many more factors need to be considered. I mean, each and every year, there's new technology that can help you reach people. Yeah. Um, so when you want to think about how to get new people to attract with your brand? Like what steps do you feel are important to take so that let's just say Mrs. Jones down the street becomes interested in, in visiting a Westwood club, whether that's online or whether that's in the, in person. You know, it, it, it's a great question, Alex. And I get it asked it all the time because today you've social media, you've content marketing, you've got websites, you've got email marketing, you've SMS marketing. And of course, everybody's looking for the new magic you know, a pill that will cure all their marketing um, illnesses. The truth is marketing has not changed as much as people think it has changed. Particularly if you look at marketing for what it actually is. Many people think marketing is just advertising promotions and special offers. There's something that comes at the end of a marketing process. The idea that you look at different market segments, you learn as much as possible about that market segment, whether it's the fit people, the unfit people, the men, the women, the young, the old, and you try and decide, okay, what market segments do I want to go after? And um, can I create the right product for those segments? And that's where the academic side comes in. So you're trying to position yourself in the marketing, either as a budget club, a premium club, a boutique club, a specialty club. What, what do you want to be perceived as in the market? So that academic side of things is still there and it hasn't changed that much. What has changed is probably the way that you can promote, advertise, communicate to those people. So years ago in sales, you know, you went out in the street and you begged for names at the local shop and every new member you begged for three names yeah. and you had the whole prospecting thing. And it was, it was the type of thing a lot of salespeople didn't like to do. So there was the less academic side, but I'd still prefer a good salesperson than an academic any day of the week. Where things have changed is the internet um, and a good website have revolutionized that lead generation. Um, if you take our clubs, we get about, we have a website and, you know, we generate about 3,500 new leads per month. So we call that lead generation and autopilot in that, there's no need to be going out for begging names and addresses because we get so many, we can't keep up with them. Our problem is no longer lead generation. It's actually getting back to those leads and persuading those leads to come in and visit our club. So the process hasn't changed. The sales process, as far as face-to-face -face selling, is still the same. Understanding one person's goals, objectives, and needs, understanding one person's fears, concerns, and worries about going to a health club, and addressing those needs and those goals. So the sales process we have, which is face-to-face -face selling when somebody comes into the club, yes, we update it, but it, you know, and we constantly train and constantly role play. But getting Mrs. Jones down the road to come in, you know, you're using search engine optimization so that when she searches for something, you appear. Yeah. You're using AdWords, you're using social media, you know, and, and again, I will say this about social media, Alex. 
there was a huge difference between using social media for free, posting stuff, and using social media to target Mrs. Jones. If you're targeting Mrs. Jones, you better be paying those social media companies, whether it's Facebook, and um, because that's what you're doing. You're paying to access their database and hopefully get your brand or your name in front of Mrs. Jones. So, and if she sees a message that's relevant to her and she's social interest, and you drive it to your website, and then your website promises or shows how you can help Mrs. Jones with shape, she may make contact with you. So it is a combination of using technology and human beings to persuade Mrs. Jones to come and visit the club, to show Mrs. Jones how you can help her get into shape so that she decides to buy them the day and then have an incredible retention and onboarding program. So Mrs. Jones actually stays, enjoys the experience and actually gets the results. But there's no doubt the old ways of lead generation are probably gone if you have a good website, good digital marketing. And, yeah. um, you know, we have it. Like one thing I would say to you about our marketing over the years, the population of Dublin is about 1.3 million. Mm-hmm. We have probably, I think it's about 232,000 leads in our sales database. Wow. So, so what you're looking at is we have about 25, 27% of the people in Dublin already in our database through digital marketing, mm-hmm. through an obsession about building uh, databases and getting those leads in. So in a way, when we go to target them, we're not using Google or Facebook or any of those channels to target them. We may be using Google and Facebook to get them into our database. But then when it comes to go to them with email marketing, SMS marketing, marketing automation, we own the databases so that we can sell them our membership and get them into our club. Gotcha. Yeah. And, and one curiosity on these uh, 3,500 leads that, that come through the website every month. So that's, yes. let's just say, for, for easy math's sake, it's about 100 per day. Uh, how are yes. you guys qualifying who's good and who's, who's not? Are, is everything <laughs> a follow-up? Or? It's a great question, Alex. Mm-hmm. First of all, because I, I, we do a huge amount of sales training, and I do the sales training myself. And I always say to salespeople, because sometimes they feel like, how hot are these leads? And I always say the same question. This person switched on a computer or switched on their phone. They looked for either health clubs or you, your brand personally. They actually looked at it. They read your website or certain pages on your website. They chose to apply for a treat. We do a four-day guest pass. They hit that button. They read what was involved. Give us your name, your telephone number, and email. They then hit the button. Okay, they can come for free for three days or four days. Yeah. They know that a message comes up, we're going to contact you to arrange for you to come in. So in my book, there's no need to qualify them anymore. This is somebody that has done that. It's not like they went and said, I did it for a golf club. I did it for opera. I did it for dog grooming. And they did this because they had some level of interest in, 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 in your product. So in a way, like even our CRM system, and when you're using CRM systems, particularly things like Salesforce, HubSpot, and Microsoft Dynamics, you have to show those companies that, look, these for us are leads. These are people that are ready to be followed up. So we would use a very, we use marketing automation. So the minute that you, second that you apply, you're getting an autoresponder. Our salespeople are phoning you. They can't get through. They follow you with an email. They'll follow you with an SMS. There's a, a workflow of five to six, to seven emails that go out at intervals with the one goal to get you to come and visit our club. Yeah. Now, I've had people say to me, is that over the top? I said, it would be over the top if you got this name off a member and just put it into your database. 
but this person actually went onto your website, showed an interest in what you had to offer, obviously has some goal and that you hope that you can help them achieve. And so, yes, yeah, so it, it is again, again, this combination of human beings and technology, technology, CRM systems, marketing automation systems are more and more important than ever before. Yeah. Like, you know, one of the things I look at our clubs and we invested heavily in technology. When I say technology, fitness technology, whether that's, I don't want to name the brands, you know, it's a certain type of equipment or whatever. We've made the decision to do less and less of that now because some of those technological fitness products aren't being used. If I'm being perfectly honest, there's more people using free weights, there's more people using functional training. But where we are investing in technology is the running of the business, marketing of the business, sales of the business. That's where you could see a massive, massive return on your investment. If you have, you know, there's so many that don't do it, but build your database, build your database, build your database, and then use technology to, um, you know, market and sell your business and also with your product with virtual gym we're investing in this idea of technology to inform members technology to educate members technology for programming technology for measuring usage uh, you know whether they're going to classes so again you're using technology to manage the delivery of the fitness product as opposed to the technology being the fitness product yeah absolutely i get you yeah and now, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like most of your signups are going to be in club. Is that correct? Like, is there a... Yeah, we don't sell online. Okay. Now, from an industry perspective, do you think, you know, that's the, as a premium club, I, I think that's the right model. But do you think, I mean, for like, say, a, a budget chain, do you think there's a health, healthy split between online versus in club signups? You know, I, I do a lot of consultancy with clubs. And when they hear what we do in sales and they say, look, can you do the same for us? And I always ask them how much they charge because, you know, one of our clubs is 11,200 members. Okay, It's a huge club, hugely successful. And when you have a club like that, you can afford to have a general manager, system manager, two or three duty managers, gym manager, sales manager, four, four sales, five sales staff there. And you can do that. If you're charging 15 euros a month or 20 euros a month and you're operating with 1100 members it's extremely difficult to have all these sales staff what you do with them so in a way with the budget clubs the joining online makes complete sense because when in effect if you're only charging that price you can't afford to pay salespeople on site to go through that process in effect what we're doing with our sales team it allows us charge you know nearly 90 euros a month 599 euros enrollment fee um, and be a premium club um, and when I say premium, some budget clubs are absolutely fantastic. They do a great product, but there's a lot more signing up online than that. We are going to start doing sign up online, but for campaigns. So that if we were doing, like we can sign up three or 4,000 members on a campaign for past members, but they've seen the club. They don't need to go through the sales process a lot of the times. Um, and when you're doing something that's you know going to finish in two days, it can certainly make sense to say, look, you can join up online on this. Yeah. But for our prices, we wouldn't. Like, you know, when I'm asked about joining online, I say this, look, in our club, a top, top salesperson who's been through training, you know, seven, eight, nine times, and our sales training is four days, four full days, classroom based before they ever tour anybody. We have salespeople who've been there several times and they can have the 71, 72, 73% sales closing rate. That's, mm -hmm. they sell 
membership to 73% of everybody they talk to. That's when they walk in and inquire, uh, guests, paying guests, anything like any, they have to record everybody. Yeah. And they would be 72 or 73%. And they take them through this sales process, which is a needs analysis, overcoming objections, uh, selling the benefits, everything that's in a normal sales process. If we have a new salesperson who has not had the sales training for whatever reason, they go through the first three weeks, yeah. their closing rates can be as low as 10 or 11%. We've had situations where duty managers, where we've a very busy period, have had to deal with a hundred tours between them all eight and six close, mm -hmm. and the closing rates can be as low as five or six percent. The only difference is they don't have a sales process when they go face to face with a potential member. What I say to people is, there's two scenarios: the exact same club, the same prices, the same group fitness classes, the same car parking. Everything is exactly the same. One person has a sales process, the other doesn't. Yeah. Now, imagine you sold online. If you sold online, do you think you'd honestly sell 70% of the people that look at your website? You simply wouldn't. It would probably be less than the worst salesperson in your club. Yeah. And I'd say that. So that's for us when we're charging the prices that we have. And it, and it goes back to the old days that people who tried to sell on the phone when, the, when it started to be recorded, you'd see, oh, I got one on the phone yesterday, but you didn't tell us about the other 25 that you gave the prices to that you never saw again. Yeah. So um, there's no doubt some of the bigger chains and the budget chains, and, and that this, this, you know, it suits them to sell online. Here's the price that you want or not. And I can tell you this, Alex, because I speak all over the world. This debate has been going around for a long time. And you will have some extremely intelligent people uh, who know the business inside out and say, you have to give the prices and you have to sell online. And they've changed their mind two or three years later and said, look, you know. Um, but for us, that's the model. We are very much a sales-driven organization. One goal in our digital marketing is to get somebody in front of a membership person. Great. All right. And so once you do get them in front of that membership person, can you give us a, a walkthrough of what that um you know what that membership sales rep is expected to yes. do from the training that you've given them yeah not, uh, not uh, going uh, too many westwood secrets here no it's, it's fine look I, <laughs> I always laugh at it when i when, when i'm on stage and people say why do you give away so much secrets and i say look i can tell you this if there's a thousand people in the audience there might be two for two three four it'll think it's great the rest will never put in the work to actually get a system ingrained mm -hmm. you need to internalize that system into your organization that means having a sales system that means training and training and training and the use of that sales system it requires a very strong sales manager that ensures 365 days a year that that sales system is being followed and being used professionally and then you need good sales people that are well rewarded and well trained so all of those things have to come together it's not just having a sales system yeah. but um to explain the sales system, so somebody will either walk in, be booked in for a tour, will have applied for a complimentary three or four day guest pass, may come along with a member, and every single one is met by a membership person. Now, we don't say we're getting sales to look after you. They dress not like salespeople. Mm. Um, one thing I will tell you, and it's not always in line with everybody else, is every one of our salespeople, Alex, is great fitness knowledge they've either got you know sports science degrees and you know they can be personal trainers there's a few that are just into their weight training but 
the bodybuilding they really know so they have to know about nutrition they have to know about training they have to explain to mrs jones and i love that example that you say mrs jones we call them mrs Byrne. that what if mrs jones came in and um, so that's the first thing the number one goal in any sales process for our salespeople is to use build rapport build rapport build rapport and put somebody at ease so we spend a lot of time on our sales staff getting across the look the average person, this is the most intimidating experience they're ever going to have. It is intimidating, it's frightening, it's exposing, it's embarrassing. They've probably taken two years to pluck up the courage to even come into the club. And so it's very intimidating. So the first goal of any salesperson is to put somebody in ease, to reassure them that the average person that comes to a health club like ours is just like you. They've never trained before. And, and we use statements like that. We'll say, look, Mrs. Jones, just to give you an idea about Westwood Club, 92% of the people that come to Westwood Club have never trained in a fitness club before or a gym. They're absolute beginners. They range in age from two years of age up to 98 years of age. Uh, people come in to lose weight, to get fit, to tone up. So they actually tell them, this is what people come for. Can I ask you what it is that you might be interested in? So we go and try and find that number one goal. And uh, so there's a general conversation outside of putting at ease, relaxing building that rapport you know the usual building rapport you're living nearby you work nearby and and a lot of questions a lot of questions and get that person open up and then when they're ready that might be two three four minutes they move to a sales office again you'll hear debates about should you have a sales office not we have them in all our clubs our sales office are the center of everything where a potential member or a potential client same with personal training can speak privately about her goals, her fears, yeah. his objective, whatever it is, and put them at ease. Now, obviously, if you said to somebody when they walked into the door and inquiring about membership, you say, oh, come on into the sales office and I'll try and get you to join. That would be ridiculous. Yeah. So when they go in there, our sales process, 80% of it or 85% of it happens in that office before they tour the clubs. I mean, they cover every base. Have you trained before? Are you a beginner? How much weight would you like to lose? Where do you want to lose that weight from? Do you want to tone up? Is fitness important? Do you have any injuries? And they really go through it in detail. And before they tour, they would show you how to get in shape. Look, Alex, if you're really thinking about losing 10 kilos and you want to get fit, Alex, ideally, here's how you would do it. Because if we have people then that are shopping clubs, yeah, we can say, look, Alex, I know that you're going to see FlyFit and it's a fabulous club. Um, you'll get great results there as well. But what I'd like to do is just show you what you need to do if you really want to get those results. So I will talk to you, Alex, about, look, if you want to lose weight, you're probably going to need to get to the gym two or three times a week for maybe 40 minutes a session, start up nice and easy. And um, you're going to need to do some sort of cardiovascular training. Do you know what that is, Alex? Let me explain. We need to do some resistance training. to tone it. So we will go through, that would form a baby, a four-minute part of the sale. So you've gone from this person, Alex, being nervous, intimidated shy to being relaxed to feeling a little bit more comfortable that maybe this is what you want you're now starting to see that we're serious about getting you in shape we know what we're talking about and then it's only then when you bought into that we will then talk about what we do look alex if you were thinking you're coming to westwood club and there's lots of clubs you can go to let me tell you how we put that together and we talk about we were very good on boarding we do a six day personal training plan for members where they get to meet with a personal trainer six times. And then we do that. And the truth is, 
our clubs, like our big club, is a 50 meter pool, a 25 meter pool. You know, you've got eight, nine, 10 tennis courts. You've got five or six studios. You've got a huge gym. You've got a ladies only gym. You've got kids fitness. We don't rely on that facility. We rely on that as the icing on the cake. But yeah. What we're hoping is that before we tour them, they were already blown away. And this is a professional club. And then they would tour them. At that stage, everybody's feeling relaxed. They bring them back to the sales office. They present the prices. And we have a very sophisticated closing technique um, that I share with people. But again, our goal in our sales process is, and all the people, the sales people is to train and say, look, we charge 599 enrollment fee. We charge nearly 90 euros a month for membership. You've got to do this sales process is if it's 1,500 enrollment fee and yeah. it's 170 euros a month for membership. And if you do your sale pool as if that was the price, when you come to the price, it won't be an issue. It rarely is ever an issue, to be honest with you. Okay. That's the, the short version. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I like, I like the fact that you're doing some exchange of value before oh, yeah. they've even handed you know any card details, before they've even seen the clubs, so that even if they decided to walk out of there and ultimately they maybe didn't yes. make a decision or that, like you were still interested in their goals yeah. and, and the, yeah. the, the, the root causes of this at the very beginning, right? But I think yeah. that's what the conversion rates uh, remain high is because that is clear early in the process. It's not just- You know, one of the things that we do is, obviously you do need to create urgency. I mean, people are put off getting in shape for four to five years. And yeah. It's no big deal until it's delayed another two or three days. The problem is that if you don't create urgency, because we are a business, we're trying to compete with competitors. Is we want them to join our club. Is if you don't create urgency, and that person, I say this to salesperson, if that person leaves, you think they're going to go home and analyze everything. They're not. By the time they get back to their car, you know the babysitter is right to say that she won't be there in time. Mm -hmm. You know the husband has said I won't be home in time. Your boss is saying where are you? Then you're trying to say oh I need to book that holiday. And by the time they get out the end of the car park, they forgot that they've done enough. Yeah. So. But 99% of our sales process is very much geared to one person and what they would like to achieve and how we can help them. And, and we reassure and reassure and reassure. Yes, we're, you know, when you're in sales, you are moving from being very empathetic, understanding, but at the end of the day, at the end of that sales process, you're doing that so that someone buys your product. Mm -hmm. And so what would you say is the typical follow-up cadence for you guys when that person does walk out the door without signing up on the spot? As a side question to this before I guess we get into that one, do you guys have a, a do you know the ratio between the people who sign up in the gym that day versus the one who come back later? That's a great question. And uh, you know, and I'll give you a little bit of history. When I took a Westwood club, when a salesperson, which they weren't trained or anything like that, would tour somebody, they had two weeks. If that person came back in two weeks, they got the commission. Okay. okay. Today at Westwood, if I tour you, Alex, and I go to the bathroom in the middle of the sale, and somebody else signs you up, they get the commission. And the way we are is, you get them today, you tour them, and they get good commission. And you know they're great salespeople. They get up, get up. I says, if they come back tomorrow, you don't get that commission. In fact, I say to the salesperson don't ever admit 
that you had them the day before because then we're going to say how did you get it wrong yesterday <laughs> so all our is, is, is the goal of the sale is first visit closing first visit closing first visit closing so when you ask me about the cadence of follow-up yes we use technology for follow-up so we've got our crm systems and literally what will happen is it's all automation if you don't join today crm system will know that i think it's within six hours or maybe it's the next morning you would text saying lovely talking to you alice uh, really enjoyed the chat no this is not the right time to but if you ever decide to start give me a call i think that goes out in an email and there's text as well so that we're using technology more because the problem is when you're dealing with the numbers that we have if they did all the follow-up that you hear industry veterans talk about they would do nothing else yeah but having said that you know I, i've had sales people work for me and some of them are top top people that have been through the training so much time and i say it if they don't get you on day one do you honestly believe that a telephone call following up two days later is going to get them? You're never going to have them as motivated as that time in front of you. So we have kind of followed this system, first day closing, first day closing. We will give you all the training, the role play, the support to do that. And now the problem is some might say as people then go out to competitors and they follow the same system. And um, but you know, we use technology then. And, mm-hmm. and CRM marketing automated do the follow they do make maybe one call but we don't do this anymore of phoning you six times when you didn't yeah, okay. because you know we'd rather say that we've given you the absolute best sales presentation mm-hmm. we've discussed it with you we've shown you how we can get results we've done all that and after all of that you decide that you then some do come back but then you know there is we'd rather move on to new people that are in our database this 100 people a day yeah. and coming through. Like literally these leads are coming in when we're closed, when we're yeah. in bed, we come in the next morning. Let's follow that up and get better at that. Get better on the telephone, get better with technology. So when Alex applies for a four-day guest pass, he gets busy. But if I follow him with a text, I've been trying to phone you, would you like to come in? There's some emails. Here's seven reasons to use your four-day pass. Here's what's going to happen on your four-day pass. Don't worry, Alex, I'll be here in reception waiting for you. And if you've never trained before, we're going to, all of this is in the technology. So we're using that. Um, and that's having a huge impact, huge. Um, and the amount of people that are emailing is back, oh, yeah, I didn't make it. Sorry, can I come in at seven? Um, now, if you're a smaller club and you don't have that number of leads coming in, yes, you can really be on the phone. But um, we don't do a huge amount of follow-up manually anymore. You just find that it was just taking a huge amount of time and uh, not the right reward. Yeah. You know, people have moved more to SMS and everything. Uh, can work just as well. Yeah. So I guess yeah, from from the crux of this is really about delivering that incredible person face to face sales experience. Yes. If you think about that sales training for those really good ones who say are in the seventies versus the ones who are not so good who are in yeah. the tens or fifteens, right? Like, yeah. what does that fifty percent gap mean for you guys on revenue per club? Then huge. And then yeah. if you lose them that day after. There's a huge gap between those who okay, sign up on day two, three, week three, four, yeah. five, whatever it's going to be. Um, so it's really about capturing that intent. It's like it's- one of the things that we do is we have a high joining fee, Alex, mm-hmm. so that we can discount it. We never discount monthly. We have Microsoft European headquarters in the driveway. Yeah. Those people pay the same price as Mrs. Jones down the road. Yeah. But we do have a high joining fee that we can use as a, a, an urgency to people. And one of the things, it's a great little technique I came up with years ago, and it works really well. But if you come in on a complimentary four-day pass, and you're only ever allowed to use once, we do the full sales process. We, don't, we look at it as an opportunity to present you the, what we do. 
And it's a really cool thing that the four-day pass is four consecutive days. And um, we say to you, Alex, okay, look, at the end of the sales process, we say, oh, look, by the way, we do have our, so we have different techniques. We say, well, early start incentive program because we know a lot of people, you know, tend to put this off about really starting exercise program. And the salesperson will say it just goes from head office. So we'll say to you is on the first day, if you decide to enroll in the four-day guest pass, the joining fee is reduced from five nine nine, I think, to one twenty-five. Second day, then it jumps to three fifty, four fifty. So in a way, you're saying to somebody, you know, it has to be presented well, so it's properly planned, yeah. and this is just a program that's on at the moment. So really, in effect, is if you're really keen, why would you put it off day three? Now, what would happen, Alex, is somebody would come in on day three, and years ago, the salesperson would give them the day one price. And I would say, that needs to stop. You need to be prepared to lose that sale if someone comes back in day three and just say, that's the day three price. Because you have to be 100% convinced that these, these are legitimate offers, and that's the way you do it. But look, you know, I've studied Tom Hopkins, Brian Tracy, David Sammer. I've done all the courses. And one thing people need to remember, you know, and, and, and our system is very similar. They're, most of these systems are similar. It's about learning and practicing, learning and practicing, learning and practicing, having this system ingrained into your sales staff and then have it as a way of doing business. Um, but the, the, the one thing that people do need to remember is your sales, Alex, is different than mine because when you're dealing with your clients, these are people that because of your product is so sophisticated, so elaborate in what it does, you're probably going to have five, six, seven meetings with a client before they make a decision to purchase because it's a, it's a big product and a big involved product. Yeah. But membership is different. You're dealing with some of our clubs, some of our salespeople could do 15 to 20 sales presentations in a day in a big club, particularly yeah. in the busy time of the year. So um, it's not like they get the, you know, well, I'll play golf with you on a Saturday. I'll get to know your family the following week. Then we present this. It is a different type. It is, you know, business to consumer selling. Master pace. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so you've talked a lot about the sales training aspect, and obviously that's one of the, the key drivers for your success. So can you walk us through a little bit of like what role continuing education plays? Also what percentage of the week of, of these, you know, your sales reps weeks this takes up. Um, so, so people can understand how to maybe fine tune and hone there. Look, sales training is everything. It's everything. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've said this a thousand times, you know, we present, we have 15 points at market strategy, which is number one, um, culture, culture over everything. You, you decide what type of culture you want in an organization. Do you want it, you know, an operational culture? Do you want a health safety culture? Do you want a, a cost-cutting culture? Ours is a sales-driven culture because I think we that in the industry. Then you've got to make sure whether you have the right product. Focus on the product, the product. Think strategically about markets. That's the academic side. You know, where do you want to be positioned in the market? You know, how do you want to create your brand? How do you want to create a competitive advantage? Uh, do you want to grow? Whatever it is. And then you're into sales. And those the sales things then is made up of having a sales system, sales training, sales management, and salespeople. Those four things all work together to have a really strong sales organization. And then when you look at, you know, the other things that we do is lead generation, database management, digital marketing, social media marketing, all of those things drive leads into these salespeople. And then you also have retention and then you have branding and all of these things we're managing. But I always joke that if it was only allowed to have one, it would be sales training. 
because that's what built our company. Yeah. And uh, so sales training and a lot of other training is a huge part of our product, out the way we do business. So generally what would happen is if a sales position came up, the first thing that happens is our sales managers have already been talking to two or three of the trainers in the club who would like to move into sales. Yeah. So a trainer earning so much money would look want to be more involved in the business development, the business management or whatever. They see sales as a great way to learn about the commercial side of the fitness industry. So they might have two or three people that they're keeping an eye out that might want this. Um, and that's taken years to, to develop. So they keep an eye out. So genuine role comes up, we're talking to fitness people internally, maybe externally as well. Sometimes we found that sales manager, they all work out. So they've seen people they know in the gym. They're looking for people with good fitness knowledge, the right fit, the right personality. We don't want anybody, this sounds strange for sales, that wants to be the best every month because that could just cause conflict. We want someone that fits in with the sales team, yep. knows they're going to make great money, has the potential to become a sales manager down the road, can make really good money. So um, they know what they're looking for. They, I usually do final interviews. But um, so what happens then is when they get that job, they go to sales training and and that sales training is four days before they start. So what's actually happening is, because we have six clubs now, we could have times where there's two or three starting. Yeah. Um, we've got a little bit busy recently where people that never happened before, where they could end up in sales for four weeks without training. That never really happened before. But our sales managers are so good, they could put them through some basic training at the club. And then what happens is, when I hold the sales training, You'll find everybody that's done it before wants to go again and again and again because they see that as a pro way to progress into sales management yeah. or go work for a competitor. Many of our salespeople go to work for Salesforce and Oracle and Upstart and, and all the big IT companies. They walk it because of the training. Yeah. So a lot of times when we have training, I could have people that are brand new. I have people that have done it once before. I have people that have done it five times before. I have the sales managers that want to go again. So we'll always have this 15 or 20 well, again, we go back to the, it's like martial arts. You're going back to the basics, the basics, the basics, the basics, the basics, know them well, share with them some new stuff, role play, uh, but it's four days and it's intense. Um, and usually what happens, they go out and they get it and they realize they didn't remember 90% of it, so they're really keen to go back again. So in any year, the salesperson is probably doing 12 full days, maybe even 16 full days of sales training, classroom-based and then we have mini sessions where we might go for, you know, a half a day role play or a one day role play. Now, what's happened that made it really, really easy for us, Alex, is, and, and this is where I would urge companies to go for when I work with companies, is I have never in 35 years hired an external sales manager, ever. Never hired an external sales manager. I've never met one that I thought would fit in what we do. <laughs> so all our sales managers have come up through the ranks. So by the time they become a sales manager, they know the system backwards. Uh, they're well able to coach and mentor, encourage new salespeople. Yep. Um, and that's really helped with our growth because when we went from three to six to seven fitness clubs, what it meant was as I got busy, that the sales managers, they probably tell you they can't do as good a job as me, but they, they can really take new salespeople and have them fairly good yeah. on site where they can work with them two or three because they've seen how I do it. So that, that thing of having sales managers who know your culture, know your product, know your company, are obsessed about sales, understand the sales process. So when new salespeople come in with them, 
they can really get them up to scratch fairly quickly. Now that's taken a good few years to get them because I used to do all the training. Yeah. Um, I still do it and I'll still go. So because we're obsessed about this thing is our success is dependent on that sales system and the implementation of that sales system. There's no point in having it if it's not implemented. Um, and then of course you're training people in the importance of which is not really selling, but you know, make sure you're filling your database, make sure it's clean. Yeah. We, we, there's a great atmosphere among our sales staff. Like they're still friends, you know, when they move up 20 years later, they all work out together. Um, you know, one thing about our salespeople, they have a certain amount of autonomy in the company. They don't report to general managers. They don't report to duty managers. They report to the CEO of the company. And that's it. Yeah. Um, right. They bypass all that. So in a way, I always recommend it for people. I don't know, but it works for us that they, they do, you know, get a certain pedestal in the company because they we, everybody realizes that the success is much Well, you yes. know, I, I always liken salespeople to kind of the athletes playing on the sports field, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, it is true. And, you know, you can think, okay, management, and they can be the, the ones who are driving the organization forward. But really when it comes down to it, the salespeople are the one who, who are there and they're the ones who are going to be the most important, and then the ones people are kind of paying to see, right? But, you know, and they're the ones that are making that cash register ring, you know. Now, yeah. having said that, we do make sure, you know, that because because we're big clubs, doesn't negate the duties of these other managers. You know, they're managing, you know, some of the clubs are eleven thousand members, uh, fitness classes going on all day, programming complaints, broken taps, all the stuff that goes wrong that I wouldn't have the patience for our other managers yeah. to go after all that. They do it. They do a great job. And of course they're responsible for attention. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And Alan, I know if, if people who do follow you on LinkedIn, they, they see some of your posts celebrating your team's success, which I think is also really cool that you as CEO yeah. time to do that. Uh, do, do you have any specific examples you'd like to share on the podcast today of a successful sales member of your team? And um, what, what I would say to you is that I'm very, very lucky. These people are picked by their managers. Mm-hmm. The managers are very good at picking them. I used to do all the interviewing years ago. I do the final interview now. You know, I, I am aware of the value of good salespeople. I mean, when I walk into our clubs, the first thing I ask the general manager, they're all happy. You know, I, you know, I get somebody that's really, really good and, you know, they could move on. The first thing I'll go in when I visit the club, I'll make up the name so it doesn't embarrass her. I'll say, is, 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 is Mary okay? Is she happy? Are you sure she's happy? Has she got everything she needs? Is she enjoying the job? Is she really enjoying? That to me is the most important, particularly if they're performing. Mm-hmm. Um, because the way I look at salespeople is compared to other people, the salesperson's performance is measured every single day. You know, I've often had to say to other managers, you know, because I'm the CEO, we decide that we want to report and PT, yeah. we want to report on this. Well, my report, I said, well, look, you want to work in the sales department where you have to send a report to the CEO every single day. Here's how many tours I have, here's how many joined, here's the average joining fee, every day. They're so used to it, it doesn't matter. So, um, you know, I, 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 I really, really make sure that they're looked after. Now, I'm not going to say everybody's perfect like any other organization. You know, some people that don't cook the mustard, it's not for them or whatever it might be. But in 95% of the cases, they, they do very well. And sometimes you have to address things. But generally with me, with salespeople, is I treat them really, really good and give them a lot of autonomy. And, you know, it's a simple process. Can you sell? Can you hit the numbers? Are you getting paid well? Uh, and if they get paid well, well, they're only getting paid well because, uh, 
I'll tell you a good story if you really want the story about how to treat salespeople. Go for it. <laughs> and I had a guy at Open, he's always embarrassed to tell this. He worked for me many, many years ago in a different company. And uh, he, he, he was a bit of a joker or whatever, right? He was very young. He'd come out of work experience in one of the colleges. And he'd been working for me about eight or nine months. And uh, he decided to leave and go traveling. And I remember when he decided to leave and go traveling, I thought, great, right? Because he just wasn't really in the game. Very, very funny and very charming and all that. He was 18, 19 or whatever. And he went away. And anyway, he came back about nine months later. And somebody else at the company said, such and such is back. He like, can work for us. And I said, oh, no, 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 no. But we were getting really busy. This is many years ago. And uh, I said, oh, come on. He said, look, you just look for it. He'll get us through with the classes and everything else. And um, so I said, oh, right, right, right. I, I relented and he, they, we took him back in. This true story. And about three weeks later, because he was doing what young people do. He was 20, 21 at the stage, whatever. And it was the middle of the day in the summer. And it was about four o'clock in the afternoon. The sun was coming down, like, just letting the trees nearly so warm. And he came in, he walks by the reception, the club, and he goes into the staff room. And another guy who was a sales guy came out to me. And he says, Alan, you better go in too. Said, what do you mean? It was three o'clock, four o'clock. He's under the, what do you mean he's under the weather? Alan, he's drunk. What do you mean he's drunk? can't stand up and uh, I, I'll be honest with you vomiting into the bin and oh, it's an awful state so um, anyway he came out said he needs to go home and the taxi sent him home mm-hmm. and when I tell that story people always ask him well what happened I said nothing I never mentioned it to him again I never said it to him and I said uh, came back in the next day but I said here's what's funny that guy became my top, top salesperson, followed me to Westwood Club, became the top salesperson, the top sales manager, made us an absolute fortune, went to work for our biggest competitor and is now at one of the most senior positions in that company and uh, was still a great, great friend. Uh, he knows the industry backwards. I said, because, well, you know, I talk in the US a lot. I think you'd never get away with that over there. No. This is, why didn't you? I said, because... He didn't do anything that most 21-year-olds have not done. But I said, the one thing that stuck in my head was, what was I going to say to him? Don't do that again. I said, he just knew himself. And I said, the other thing was, he came into work. He came in. I said, I know lots of people that've got a hangover and just bring in sick. But uh, I always laugh at that, that he became such a, such a great salesperson. Now he's married with children and everything. He still asks. But I said, you know, so sometimes... You just don't know when you've got a great person. You don't know when you've got a weak person. And um, you know, at the end of the day, I just believe is in the sales role, they either produce the goods or they don't produce the goods. And um, once they get on with the other salespeople, like one thing we don't put up with, you know, salespeople know in our company, you know, if you're arguing with somebody else who owns a sale, owns a sale, do not go to Alan Leach. Yeah. Do not go and say he took my sale. He'll take it off you and give the money to charity. And we've done it. Um, if you want to argue over sale, what's the commission? It's not going to any of going to a charity. They just wouldn't. Um, and we've had people that maybe didn't fit in, but you know, good sales managers, good sales system, good sales training, and then the rest looks after itself. Yeah, sorry, it's all about that system. 
Okay. It's the system, yeah. 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 So, Alan, uh, we're, we're going to start to land this thing a little bit. Um, I, I always like to do a kind of a short lightning round and say, let, let's start with one of these questions here. What would you say is some of the best advice you've ever, ever received throughout your career? Oh, um, from a man called David Quinn. He passed away a few years ago. He, he was a genius. And he had a quote that he'd say all the time. When you have sales, you can fix anything. That's always stuck to me. All the problems that you have can be fixed with money. And when you have good sales and when you have sales, you can fix anything. And it's true because I only had this conversation with somebody in a different organization in a panic. And I said, look, sales will fix everything. I've seen so many times over the years. Everybody talks about strategy and academic stuff and everything else. But that goes out the window when there's a lack of funds coming in the door and somebody wants to sort of immediately. So that quote, when you've sales that you can fix anything was probably very early in my career, one of the things that stuck with me. It's, it is damn true because you think of all the implications that are there or not there if you don't have yeah. the money to fund it, right? If, if your sales yeah. are going that bad, but let's say your sales manager isn't the right one to fix it, you need to hire a really a rock star sales manager. who you Rock star sales manager. manager. Yeah. Therefore... <laughs> You need to pay them better, so you need better sales. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it big... that. Yeah, yeah, okay. And before our listeners jump off, um, what what would you say is like one action item that they can take today to help them improve, whether it's their life, their career, their business? Like, what what would you say is one action item you would advise somebody on? You know, in the fitness industry. Sure. Yeah. I think in the fitness industry is the realization that we are a sales or we are a sales industry. You've got to understand that we're a sales industry. You may get away with it for a short period of time because you don't have competitors or you've got a great location, but that can be short lived. At the end of the day, you know, the fitness industry is a sales industry. You've got to sell the product. Now, whether you do that online or whether you do it face to face, but it's no different than any industry. Every product needs to be sold. Yeah. Um, and it's, I think in the fitness industry, whether you're a personal trainer working on your own, whether you've got two or three trainers working for you, whether you're doing the influencer rate and you know, training people online, whether you own a fitness club, whether you own a chain or whether you've got a hundred clubs. The, the most important, I think most of them do realize this, particularly young people coming in, the days of this just being a hobby is no longer enough. You've got to professionalize what you do. You've got to professionalize what you do. It happens in the motor industry. It happens in the food industry, in the retail industry. People look and say, look, professional sales, professional marketing, professional management, professional finance, they do it professionally. Yes, people have a vision to come out with something really new, but there comes a stage, whether you're on Silicon Valley or whatever else, where the people come in to professionalize that and, and, and make the most out of it. So, Definitely investing in yourself and in, in, in your sales skills and your marketing skills will be without doubt one of the best things you can do in the industry. And look, you, you, you know, I'm a lot older than you, Alex, but I've seen it over the, the years that people can end up in the fitness industry because they love it, which is great. But they can't hit a wall when they realize, well, this is how much a fitness trainer gets paid. And, mm-hmm. you know, it may not be enough, but across the board, that's what they get paid. And, I mean, the other thing I I, I leave your audience with is the the good thing is that the fitness industry 
is booming, booming, booming. And particularly for us in Europe, and I say, look, you look at the US, you've got penetration rates of 21% or 20%, depending on who you listen to. Yeah. And then you come to Ireland, which is 10 or 11, the UK, whatever it is, 15 or 16. So the thing is that it is going to be a booming industry. It's a great industry to work in. There is no shortage of good positions for people who can manage a fitness business, grow a fitness business, open your own fitness business. But just to kind of give you some of the statistics, in 2009, the global health and fitness club industry was worth 67 billion. Mm-hmm. By 2019, that had jumped to 97 billion. That's a lot of revenue. The wellness industry, which is the new buzzword, which is bringing the healthy eating, the nutrition, yeah. wellness, tourism is good, is worth $4.2 trillion. $4.2 trillion. And, you know, you even look wellness tourism, which is a booming business now, 639 billion it was in 2017 that was estimated to this year to hit 919 billion dollars uh, so the, the yoga industry in the uk us which had kind of disappeared is now back up to 11.5 billion from 6.9 billion in 2012 and then the pt industry so it's a booming industry and i think what's great too in the industry now is people don't have to be a millionaire to go in you can go in at all different levels the barriers for entries are probably coming down but because, you know, you can have personal trainers, get a premises, start training your own clients, hire another trainer, build up the four or five trainers. And I have great admiration for those people because they're doing what people didn't do years ago. They're going and working for themselves and we have a lot of them as competitors and I'm fine with them. Um, but I do think for anybody in industry, but particularly the fitness industry, is to acknowledge that if you want to be successful, you will need to professionalize what you do. Um, you can educate yourself, you can go to college, you know, but uh, and particularly when it comes to these digital marketing, you know, yeah. because everybody throws out this phrase digital marketing. And, uh, but if you don't know what you're doing, you can spend a fortune and lose a fortune. And remember with digital marketing, I say this to many people, you know, uh, what is digital marketing? It's simple. You yeah. want to make Google and Facebook richer. That's it. And if yep. you want to do it, you're going to make them richer. It's not much more complicated than it is. But yeah, exactly. So that's yeah. it. Okay. Yeah, I've, I've heard some salespeople as well, or some sales trainers or sales advisors talk about, look, you can have the best technology, but if you're, you know, your efforts aren't right or your messaging isn't right or you're using it in the wrong way, yes. you're basically just amplifying the suck. Like that, you're getting your worst message or your worst process out to mm-hmm. more people. Which is going to just completely 100%. And we're working on the retention side of it now. And I say it look, you get people in and everything's not right. We, every company needs to get more professional. They need to be Disney when it comes to this. Like, one thing I do in our business is I don't study what our fitness clubs do. I never have. You want to know about direct marketing? I look at the best direct marketing companies in the world. I'll study Macy's, I'll study all of these companies. When it comes to digital marketing, I don't look at the fitness industry, I look outside the industry. Yeah. And the same with service. We look at Ritz Carlton, we look at Disney, we look at you know all of these companies that are known for service. What do they do? What can we rob from them? And we've probably been a learning or big time learning organization. And um, you know, we don't want to be just what other fitness clubs do, we want to look at what other industry does. Do, even the car industry and say can we use that in what we do and i think for us and I'll, I'll admit it we have huge strides to make in that and, and that's what we're trying to work at now it's finding people that will be committed to that and you know are as involved in it as we are and but you're right and again with the sales you know go back to what you said there make things suck we can have all the digital marketing but if we don't say as people 
to contact them and show them around. It's a complete another waste of time. All you're doing is putting names and address into a database. Yeah. Uh, because I can tell you, if somebody walked into our clubs and we said, hi, Alex, let me show you around. Here's our swimming pool. Here's our tennis courts. Here's our fitness thing. It's amazing. We're fantastic. Let me show you this. I would tell you 100% we'd be lucky to be closing 5%. Yeah. It all comes down to the system we have for getting, for getting people in shape. And you know what? What we use can be used in even the smallest clubs. It's, again, this thing is, what do you want, Alex? What are you looking to achieve? You know, what do you want to change? Is it your fitness? Is it your maybe weight? Are you trying to get stronger? Do you have a back problem? Is it yeah. just because you're older and you want to reduce blood pressure? What's your goal here? And because we know exercise is not as much fun as everybody likes to make out. And so. Yeah. All right. Well, Alan, this has been hugely valuable. And again, I, I thank you uh, a million times over for taking the time to join us today. For those who uh, are listening in and, and want to connect with you or learn more about the work you're doing, like where, where can they best go to find you? Well, they can find me on Facebook. If you just type in Alan Leach, L-E-A-C-H. My email is Alan, A-L-A-N dot Leach, L-E-A-C-H at westwood.ie. And look, even when I do presentations, so it's Alan dot Leach at Westwood. I share them and people come to me. I said, send everything to you. I'm happy mm-hmm. to share it all. Uh, but thank you, Alex. I mean, I've been a huge fan of Virtue Gym for years and uh, I love some of the products that are coming out. Actually, a friend of yours contacted me the other day, uh, Hans. Oh, yeah, yeah. Literally the day before, yes, Steve. You talked about, you didn't even know he was presenting with you, so I emailed him. So, but, um, yeah, actually, yeah, I see I Hans, uh, later this week in London at an event. So, yeah, I'll tell him he said, yeah. hey. Yeah, but if he was talking about coming to Dublin as well and he asked me when I go to dinner, but uh, yeah, he, he's doing well. He's doing well. Yeah, good, good stuff. Well, Alan, again, thank you so much. Uh, everyone, thank you for tuning in again. This has been another episode of Fit Nations Lunch and Learn. We will see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of How to Grow Your Fitness Business. If you liked what you heard, don't forget to subscribe and share or head over to www.fitnation.co forward slash webinar to watch the video interviews.